All right, y'all. We're back at it. We're back, we're back, we're back. We have the return of the legend in the flesh, Paul Check, who has been on this podcast more than any other guest. And there's a reason for that. You know, Paul is a very close friend. He is one of my mentors. He, in many ways, gave me my health back and taught me what real health looked like early on in my fighting career before I had ever met him with uh, Flatten Your Abs Forever video on VHS. It was back on VHS when I saw it. Pre-DVD, pre-downloadable uh, content. Uh, every time I get a chance to hang with Paul, I am floored by the amount that I get to learn. And it's not necessarily the amount of stuff, right? Like he's got every fucking book known to man in his library. It's the, probably the greatest living library I've ever seen. But um, it's the fact that what lands weighs so much. And this conversation, we're not pulling punches. This isn't a conversation that we chose to have uh, in the wake of everything happening in the world and just kind of <laughs> willy-nilly tow it out there. Paul and I have been on the front lines for the last 19, 20 months discussing everything that's going on in the world. And we've been connected to some of the most intelligent, radical, free-thinking people on the planet who are doing the same. And Paul recently sent me uh, and a few other great people um, a documentary called Agenda 2030. We don't talk about it on this podcast because this podcast was recorded I think uh, a couple days after Paul's 60th birthday, and uh, he recently sent me this documentary. But I'm going to link to this documentary in the show notes. I'm going to be doing a solo cast. I've been talking about doing a solo cast for damn near half a year. The reason I keep waiting is because I keep getting more information that is just... <laughs> I, I, I want to have the hammer, and, and here's the good news. I do have the hammer, and I will record the solo cast very soon here. Um, Discussing, dis, d- discussing everything that I've learned and and the why behind these things. Um, and truthfully, the reason I want to get this out now as opposed to waiting is because a lot of the backlog of rabbit hole information that I plan on giving you guys is gone. It's been taken down. So I recently went to look through a lot of the, the resources I wish to cite on this solo cast and found that those videos were no longer available. And a lot of the content producers had lost their um, had lost their entire channels. So uh, I will not wait. I will get this out. You won't have to wait. If you watch this documentary right now, it's on Brighteon and a couple other um, non-mainstream websites, but watch it now. Don't wait. Don't wait for this to get taken down. Listen to this podcast here. Paul pulls no punches when it comes to discussing the matters at hand in the world. What real health is, you know, uh, that's that's kind of kind of the shitty part about diving deep into the negative or the darkness is if you're not given a little light at the end of the tunnel, it's kind of like, well, what the fuck do I do now? And I've spent many nights awake in bed wondering that. Thankfully, um, I have a system. You know, I don't watch documentaries like the one that I'm going to link to in the show notes. Uh, in the evening, it'd be like eating a giant pizza before bed and thinking you're going to sleep fine. If you've got a hard-to-digest meal, you need time to digest, process, and eliminate that meal before sleep. Same goes for documentaries like the ones that I've been sharing with you all. 
And likely same goes for listening to this podcast right now with Paul, because um, we're, we really are at a point where we're, we're, we're reaching a point of no return. And it goes, it, it's, you know, I, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> uh, I just had some Kratom and it's phenomenal. I am sponsored by a Kratom company that I've been waiting for for a very long time. They've been sending me out products. It's my favorite company of all time. And it's a company called Super Speciosa. Uh, for beginners, they recommend their signature Super Speciosa strain. It's the most popular and best-selling item. But try all of their strains. Give it a whirl. This is truly a plant medicine and it's grown in Thailand and Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam. It's been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Field workers use it to get through sweltering heat out, outside all day long, busting their ass and uh, manual labor, you know? So if there's anybody listening to this doing construction, this is your, your tune-up. This is your, this is Popeye's spinach, as I like to call it. Um, I have it every workout now. It's my favorite thing to take pre-workout. And the reason I say try the different strains is because just like cannabis or psilocybin, there are a number of strains that offer uh, different flavors, different twists to how the medicine works within you. First and foremost, let me tell you, this, this, gets you high. I mean, there is a euphoria from this medicine that is undeniable. It makes you feel good. It helps with pain management. It can give you energy or it can wind you down depending on which strain you're using and depending on your own personal chemistry. So again, I could tell you, you know, indica will, will make you sit on the couch and sativa is going to wake you up and it's more creative. Look, that's true to an extent, but it's different for everyone. And this is no different. Um, try it on for size, start small, and try it with different different things. You know, you want to go to the movies and you want to unwind, but you're a little tired of cannabis, try some Kratom. If you want to pre-workout or you want to ha- take something pre-run, like I've been running two to four miles a day uh, pretty consistently now for the last few weeks, and the runner's high is magnified. Like, I just feel great. My lungs are open. Um, it doesn't impair me cognitively, and I think that's one of the most important pieces about Kratom and the strains that I use in particular, Super Speciosa, as well as Red Bali. Red Bali and Red Thai, uh, any of the red strains, um, feel like a very embodied, peaceful, um, just a good feeling all over, but it doesn't impair me cognitively. So I absolutely love this stuff. Um, you can check it out at getsuperleaf.com slash KKP. That's getsuperleaf.com slash KKP. Enter promo code KKP at checkout. You're going to get 20% off your entire order. And these guys are phenomenal. You can start small. You can start big. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Kratom helps energize your mind and relax your body. It just helps you to feel good without feeling impaired. Super important. Feel good without feeling impaired. So check it all out. Getsuperleaf.com slash KKP. We are also brought to you by Blue Blocks. Blueblocks.com offers the latest and greatest in blue blocking glasses as well as other blue blocking technology. So um, to spell this out for you, our current um, lighting that is in modern lighting, especially in fluorescent bulbs, contains very high levels of blue light, which we are tuned to only see when the sun is out. So many of you have heard me discuss this on podcasts in the past where I've had light experts come on to discuss how we are effectively living in a, a... Um, a living human experiment, which is fairly undeniable at this point, but 
if we're used to only seeing blue wave light spectrum during the daytime and then we see it all night long, that has a negative impact on our circadian rhythm. It has a negative impact on our melatonin production. And if it impacts our sleep negatively, guess what? That impacts everything negatively. Metabolic function or dysfunction, I should say carbohydrate metabolism, recovery, hormone production like IGF-1 and human growth hormone, which are known to, they are the recovery hormones of the body, testosterone production, all things, uh, fat loss versus fat accumulation are affected by a lack of sleep negatively. So why not just grab some blue blocks at blueblocks.com and mitigate the damage? If you've got to be on your computer or your cell phone at night, and I do more than I want to be, or if I'm watching a movie with Bear, I throw on my blue blocks glasses and I mitigate the blue light by putting on blue light blocking glasses. There's also other great products that these guys make over at blueblocks.com. Uh, they're 100% Australian made, very high quality. They're evidence-based from lab work, not mass produced in overseas factories. And you can bring in, uh, they come in non-prescription, prescription, or reading magnification options. And you can send your own frames in to customize into blue light glasses. They're the most stylish frames for blue light glasses featured in GQ and Vogue. And like I said, some of these other products are phenomenal. They have a red light bulb that you just screw into your nightstand. And so now when I read, I don't have to have glasses on. I can just read with red light. And this is important because, you know, I, I chew through Audible. Probably 80% of the books that I read are consumed through Audible. And um, I even listen to Audible more often than I do podcasts. I still love podcasts. I'm listening to stuff all throughout the day. Um, but I still have to read. And generally, nighttime is the best time for me to read. It gets me quiet and tired. And then I fall asleep when I need to. The red light from Blue Blocks at blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, is phenomenal. Check out the red light. Check out their, their glasses and frames. They are absolutely beautiful. And everything else they offer, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use code word KKP at checkout for 15% off your entire order. We're also brought to you by Lucy. Lucy.co is an absolutely amazing, amazing company. They're founded by Caltech scientists who were former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative, and they researched and developed this for three years. Uh, they created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that has three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge of four milligrams of nicotine, which can be enjoyed anywhere, on a flight, at work, on the go, even in the gym, and many of you have heard me talk about this in the past. Nicotine is an incredible pre-workout, intra-workout. Anything that tunes the brain in and helps you focus and concentrate will help you lift more. It'll help you be more efficient in your gait as you're running. Um, there's just no two ways about it. This stuff works. Smoking cigarettes, on the other hand, that, that, that will not work. That will impair you in many ways. And uh, this is really why these Caltech scientists engineered this was to understand how do we get this thing nicotine, which influences and fits into acetylcholine receptors in the brain, something all nootropics are trying to add to more acetylcholine. Can we convert choline into acetylcholine? Well, as it turns out, nature herself designed something that fits into these exact receptors within the brain and helps us think more clearly. This is why you might see uh, an author in a movie chain smoking while he's writing his book, or you might see a comedian on stage smoking. Um, everyone in baseball, from the pitcher to the catcher to the batter, having a wad of dip in their mouth. But Chewing tobacco as well as standard smoking cigarettes are not organic. They're laden with chemicals, and we want to get around that. This is the way you get around that. Check it out. Lucy.co, that is L-U-C-Y dot C-O, and use promo code KKP at checkout. 
And of course, they have to do the disclaimer here. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And I say, still do it. It is absolutely phenomenal. Last but not least, we are brought to you by bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Kingsboo, which is a whopper for a URL. And of course, we'll have the one click in the show notes, code Kingsboo10 for 10% off. It's, it's our boys from Bioptimizer. One of the big keys to optimal health is balanced blood sugar. This is critical for staying slim and building lean muscle. But what happens when you have a weak moment and wolf down some ice cream? Your pancreas releases insulin, which tells your body there's plenty of energy, so now it is time to store fat. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you eat ice cream or drink a glass of orange juice. Processed carbohydrates from chips to crackers to donuts all have a similar effect on blood sugar. When you take in lots of carbs too quickly without much fiber to slow down the absorption, you'll experience a blood sugar spike followed by a sugar crash, which leads to low energy, brain fog, and weight gain, even irritability. And due to the addictive nature of sugar and carbs, once your body brings your blood, sugars level, your blood sugar levels back down, that's when the cravings kick in. And if you give in to those cravings, it starts the cycle all over again. So I hope you can see how important it is to maintain healthy blood sugar levels. The question is, how do you do it? Well, one day is to reduce your intake of processed carbohydrates and make sure you eat whole foods that contain fat, protein, and fiber. But none of us is perfect. We all cheat sometimes, especially around birthdays and holidays. And we got a lot of holidays coming up here, so it just makes sense to have a way to maintain balanced blood sugar day in and day out, even when you're celebrating and enjoying a cheat day. That's why I recommend a product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This easy-to-take supplement is the result of numerous tests to find the absolute best formula for maintaining healthy blood sugar. In fact, Bioptimizers went through five different formulations before landing on this one. All you have to do is take a couple of capsules 15 minutes before a meal to safely control your blood sugar. The best part is it works even if you splurge or cheat. By taking blood sugar breakthrough before meals, you'll avoid the worst effects of high blood sugar like weight gain and inflammation. You'll also build lean muscle faster while enjoying more energy, mental clarity, and fewer cravings. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just go to www.bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Kingsboo and use code Kingsboo10 to save 10% when you try blood sugar breakthrough. And for a limited time, Bioptimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P3OM and Masszymes with select purchases. So check it out in the show notes, bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Kingsboo and get your exclusive 10% discount with Kingsboo 10 at checkout and potentially get another $50 worth of supplements for free. Without further ado, my man, Paul Check, and please check the show notes. Um, no pun intended on that. Please look at the show notes because of the fact that not only do you support our sponsors by clicking on them and buying with the URL codes, but you're also going to support me and this show. And please watch the documentary, Agenda 2030. It is mind-blowing. Paul has asked me personally to share it with as many people as possible. He is doing the same behind closed doors and on his podcast, and we need to get as many eyes on this as possible. It's probably the most important documentary done since indoctrination on plandemicseries.com. So love you guys, and without further ado, my man, Paul Check. Here we go. We got out. We got out here for your 60th birthday party. Yeah, shit, it's freaking wild. I'm getting older, man. Trippy stuff. What a hell of a party! It was a freaking good party, man. 110 people. Yeah, and beautiful people. Yeah, the best. Some of the greatest athletes in the world. Some of the greatest business men in the world. Tom Campanero, founder of Total Gym. Jesse, his son. 
Chervine from Symbiotica, Wade Lightheart from Optimizers. There's a lot of people here. Yeah, it was a special day for sure. We painted. Uh-huh. We had clowns and face painting and, you know, um, rock stacking and the gym and the swimming pool, the sauna, cold plunge, hiking, hiking on trails. Uh, kids were rocking with the trampoline, the playground. It was freaking All the balloons awesome. too. They love oh, funny. Yeah. the kids love the balloons. Love that was it was really a, a special day. The gifts too at the end of the at the end of the trip, watching you open up your gifts. Those are really special. Those were no oh. joke. I mean, they were they were some of the coolest pieces of art that I've ever seen. You know, I guess you haven't seen in Angie's office, but Angie's office is full of gifts for me. I haven't even begun to tap those gifts. It blew my mind. And these people did not buy me cheap stuff. I mean, no. you know, you saw a lot of that's original art from people. And you saw the one last night, the guy painted, which you look at it close and it looks like a pattern, but you get further away and it's got my face in it. Yeah, that, that was insane. That was wild. It's our boy Alden. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. That, that is freaking incredible, man. Well, I think that's that's a testament to how much you've touched people's lives, you know, just that it's funny. I was, <laughs> I was dead tired, but, but, uh, you guys were recording some of it and, um, reading the, the cards people had got you, you know, oh, yeah. those were not short letters, no they were long lists of how you'd change people's lives. And I, I was thinking about that while I was listening, I could have written something just as long. Yeah. You know, like you've absolutely changed my life. You've been on this podcast more than anyone else. That'll continue to be the case. Yeah, me too with you. Until you kick the can and jump into the next spot. Yeah, well, I got to wait till my kids are a little older for that. That's right. Especially with this crazy ass world, Papa. (laughs) Bad time for Papa to disappear. (laughs) Uh Keeps me motivated. You know, the kids keep me inspired. You know, prior to Mana coming along, you know, I was 54 when Mana came and I was feeling like the world was just getting flat, you know, same shit all the time and just same problems, you know, the, the kind of the wheel. I, I started just feeling like I was becoming a professional babysitter saying the same stuff in the same conference halls. And it just, it just, I don't know, life was just getting flat. It's like, you know, I've lived a very full life as you know. So, um, when you get to the point where Everyone around you seems to be imploding. It's 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 a it's like your the the center of gravity gets so low in, in in our culture that you're to be to live like we do. We we start standing out more and more, and and people see healthy people as weird people, you know. But when Mana came along and Angie got pregnant with Mana, I I started having these just profound heart opening experiences where I'd just be sitting next to Angie on the couch watching tv at night and all of a sudden my heart shock would open wide and i just have tears pouring down my eyes and it was like this little guy was working on me from in the womb right through mommy's energy field and just it started creating like a very profound spiritual shift in me that it's hard to put into words but it brought me back into connection with the essence of life and then when Zoe came along uh, three years later, which was, you know, another surprise, but incredible. I mean, just having my little daughter, she just, 
has me wrapped around her freaking finger all the time, and she's so beautiful. And I don't know, I just playing with them and walking and hiking and taking them out, climbing rocks and being in the pond, kayaking and kayaking and canoeing and jumping on the trampoline and, you know, having the Waldorf school teacher come and seeing how engaged they get and how much fun they have learning. And it, it really, not only did it reinvigorate my willingness to really want to be alive uh, and more youthful, it, it um, opened up my play center, you know, my, my sense of unbound play even more. Um, it, just hearing kids laugh is very healing and their spontaneity. It, it really, uh, it helped euthanize me. And so it's really much easier to stay in shape and stick to healthy routines when you know that your children are going to emulate you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. I, I had kind of given up on jujitsu after getting a pretty serious knee injury uh, when bear was three. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't run for a year Wow. and I was telling him, sorry, daddy can't run. I just have to walk right now. My knees hurt. Yeah. I was like, what's this all for? And then when he started getting into jujitsu, I was like, well, it would be good if I could get back on the mat. That way I can still play with him on the mats when he's older because I got to do that with my dad. My dad didn't even start till he was 54. Wow. And he got his black belt, I think when he was 58 or 59. But um, that was such a beautiful experience for me. I want to be able to share that with him, you know? Yeah. But that's a great, a great fire, you know, to, to have burning is to, to want to stick around and to want to be our best for them. We've, we've talked so much the last few days about <laughs> the shit storm the world is in right now. Yeah. And I think people, I mean, we're going to give some resources if people want to look at the shit, but um, I also want to focus on like, what are the tangible tasks that we have? Because no one's cleaning up our mess for us. As you've mentioned a thousand times, there's no daddy in the sky. Nope. There's no daddy in government mm -mm. that's going to fucking reach in and bail us out. No. Nope. Um, it's up to us to clean up our own mess and it's up to us to build a new earth. So I wanted to break down this podcast and really give people some core examples of, of ways that we can live in harmony with ourselves and with nature. And yeah. that, that has been my intention. I am in harmony with myself in harmony with my family in harmony with God. And I want to, I want to bring that to, to us and you could use God and nature as interchangeable if you like. Yeah. Well, nature is God's embodiment. I mean, if you take nature out of the picture, what's left? Empty space. There's nothing. Well, if God is God, then everything in creation is God's body. Is just like you and I know ourselves as this place we call ourself. Well, if you take nature out, then there's no self for God. Therefore, God doesn't have any meaning anymore. And that's one of the things that religions have done so damaging is they've especially the monotheistic religions, they've pushed God into an external relationship with life and with nature. So God's something that you have to get to heaven to experience. But here, uh, you know, God is separate from um, creation. So God's always externalized. It's a very pathological relationship with God. You study native cultures and God was in the trees, you know, polytheism is a beautiful, beautiful expression. 
of the divine because it's the understanding that everything in creation is divine. Everything in creation is the essence of everything. You know, the you look at a plant, but you don't see the spirit of the plant unless you're clairvoyant like I am, but or if you're on medicine. Or you're on medicine. <laughs> you can then damn you're, sure see it. Then you're clairvoyant. <laughs> you just enhanced clairvoyance. But you know, the, 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 the Greeks spoke about this, you know, uh, Plato and Plotinus and, and uh, Aristotle and many of them, they talked about the essence of, of a thing. And the essence of a thing is, is the invisible intangible, just like I can't see your mind, but I know it's there because we're talking to each other, right? So you don't think that just because you can't see someone's mind is not real. That's a very Western materialistic view that leads to a brain as the source of consciousness, which is really just, you know, it's just bad. It's, it's shallow. It's just spiritually inept. It's, uh, it's weak. Uh, it's just a bad idea that leads to a myriad of, of problems. But when you realize that what makes life move is invisible, right? If you go to a sand dune, you see those waves on the dunes. That's the footprints of the wind, right? You don't see the wind. You might feel it, but you don't see the wind, right? But what you do is see its footprint. You see the trees moving. So spirit is like that wind. And we have lost touch with that spirit, which in Christianity would be the Holy Ghost. But once again, they relegate the Holy Ghost to something t totally other. I'm like, well, the Holy Ghost is you. It's your soul. It's your spirit. It's what gives you the sense of I am. And so when people lose touch with nature, and they, when they lose touch with nature, they lose touch with themselves. In Jungian psychology, there's two selves. There's self with a small S-E-L-F, which is you as an individual. The capital S-E-L-F is the whole world. And Jung talks about how if you lose connection to nature, you lose connection to the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the animal kingdom. And those are the things that support life at every level on this planet. We have a, a, a massive worldwide crisis of being disconnected from the capital S-E-L-F because scientific materialism and Capitalism and consumerism has, and Christianity has turned the world into an object for exploitation at any cost. And so what do we have? We have oceans dying everywhere. You know, you got countries like China where every waterway is poisoned significantly. You, you know, you've got the United States with <clears throat> tremendous high levels of toxicity. You've got commercial farming poisoning the soils to extreme levels. You've got Entomologists warning, uh, sounding warning bells that the insect traffic is dangerously low and the sex organs of this planet could collapse any fucking minute. I mean, people don't think, you think COVID's a big deal. What are you going to do when there's no food to eat? You'll forget all about COVID. It'll be a very small problem. So when people don't realize that the infrastructure, what I call the game board of this planet, we all depend on the planet. We all have to have air to breathe. We all have to have water to drink. We all have to have food to eat. We all need space to move and relate to each other. 
when you poison the water and poison the air and poison the soil, you poison the plants, you poison the animals, and, and all in the name of science, and you look at how that's impacting the world, what do we see? We see sick people everywhere. Obesity is now normal. Metabolic syndrome is now normal. Um, the average American is on three prescribed drugs. 85% of the world population is on one or more prescription drugs. Um, we've got the highest number of, of diseased, dysfunctional people in the world culture that have ever been there. And then you've got, you know, the abuse of fossil fuels and the abuse of drilling and fracking when we already have the technologies for clean energy sources, be it solar, wind, quantum possibilities for which there's a number of inventions out there now, but the, the powers that be keep repressing them so people can't get free energy because they make truckloads of money off of free energy. Um, you know, when you look at the technologies that we have available that are not being used because someone doesn't want them used because they can't profitize them, for example, go back to Tesla's ability to send electricity around the world wirelessly for free. There's a phenomenal series called the Tesla series on Amazon. And it's an astrophysicist and a couple other scientists. And they redo a number of Tesla's experiments that the scientific community said was absolute bullshit when Tesla, you know, published that he could do these things. They just totally discredited him. And these guys go through in this series, it's a series of, of shows, and they're very sharp guys, and they reproduce every one of the experiments that all were said by the mainstream scientists to be bullshit, and they proved every one of them was very effective. <laughs> they they <clears throat> took uh, like a remote control motorboat, and they used a Tesla system with no wires, and they turned this motorboat on and it flied around this freaking lake like a rocket ship and there was no wires connected to it. It was all coming from these towers, exactly what Tesla designed for transporting electricity through the atmosphere and it worked like a champ. They took these Tesla coils, separated them about 40 or 50 feet from each other and these things use a lot of voltage but then they, they run a uh, cord through the ground and the other ones in the the other poles in the atmosphere and they took light bulbs and they touched them to the ground and they lit up you know <laughs> and they showed that tesla was bang on but the point is they the scientific establishment created a false information campaign they stole tesla's information it's a freaking great series because they show how the united states government and these secret programs stole something like 63 chests of Tesla's research, literally stole it from them and kept it secret. So these guys go through this whole search. It's very interesting, the obstacles they come into and, and uh, the Tesla, um, there's a Tesla museum in Russia, which houses a lot of his stuff. They did not want to tell these guys a lot of stuff. They tried to hide it, pretend it, uh, you know, it was an interesting mm. thing to see. But the point I'm making is, is we have all these technologies. I'm curious, have you ever seen the book, This Changes Everything by, I think it's Naomi Klein? No. It's a mind bender. 
she shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that the billionaires behind a lot of these major corporations have it set up so that no matter what happens with the greenhouse effect, with environmental disasters, you name it, they've profitized both sides of it. They're profitizing the cleaning of the oil and they're profitizing the spilling of the oil. They're profitizing storms. They're pro- they're, they've got their hands in all the insurance companies. She shows you beautifully that they set this catch net so that no matter what happens, they're making billions of dollars. And it, it's just uh, it's just the most sinister thing. And it reminds me, I, I came across a report in the journal, The Ecologist, which is quite good. I, I often would be in England and they, they have it there. I used to have it sent over. But for years, I, I studied the journal, The Ecologist. And in one of the uh, editions of it, they, they went and looked at the board members of several major corporations like RJ Reynolds, alcohol companies, um, all sorts of big companies. And they showed something wild. They showed in every case, the board of directors, if they made cigarettes, they also made nonstop, uh, stop smoking drugs and stop smoking kits. They made alcohol. They also invested in, uh, drugs and things to help people get off alcohol. They, they played both sides of every equation. So that no matter which way you go, they made billions of dollars. And it's just such crooked, dirty pool because you profitize by keeping people sick and addicted and you profitize when they try to get off. And, and, you know, for a materialist, they would say that's a great business strategy, but when, what it shows is absolutely zero interest in the well-being of humanity or the planet. It's all about money. And I tell people all the time, you better remember you cannot eat money, right? We are running out of farmable land. 62% of the arable land in this country was destroyed by 1961 from commercial farming. The average American farming family, uh, commercial farming family, destroys beyond repair 7,000 acres of land in the life of that farming family. You know, we're in a, a devastating thing and people keep focusing all this racism and sexism i'm like how do you have time to play childish games this is the kind of shit kids do in elementary school fighting over hop scotch boxes or shit you know when when the the planet is dying i mean there's so many great documentaries we've got a mountain of garbage the size of texas in the pacific ocean we're filling the atmosphere full of space junk i mean this is out of control. Plastic everywhere. Animals dying in the ocean from bags on their head. The, the, I mean, when do people fucking wake up and realize what you do to the planet, you do to yourself, you know? And what you do to yourself, you do to the planet. Totally. And I, I, that's where I wanted to jump in on this six foundational principles because I think, you know, in, I mean, most people listen to this podcast have figured out my stance on the jab, have figured out my stance on health and wellness, and health is an inside job. But I wanted you to break this down for people. And I think one of our first podcasts, you went over this, but it's, it's been years and it's never been more of a, a pressing time to know this information and to practice these principles. So please break this down and then we can continue to dive into nature, starving corporations and the rest if we have enough time. Yeah, we'll, we'll be good, I think. Um, 
Well, in my holistic lifestyle coaching system, there's four doctors, Dr. Happiness, Dr. Movement, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Quiet. But those four doctors really regulate six foundation principles, which are the foundations of health. Without them, you can't be healthy. Three of them are feminine, nutrition, hydration, and sleep. They're yin. Nutrition nourishes the body, helps repair the body. Hydration is essential yin. You can't have good, healthy connection and detoxification without adequate hydration. And sleep. Sleep is the number one most potent source of healing on the planet to this very day. Uh, For as long as doctors have been around, one of the most commonly prescribed um, healing approaches was bed rest for most illnesses and diseases. But we've got a world population that hardly sleeps. They're up all night on video games, on television. They're buzzed to death by 5G systems and wireless systems. They're just like electric fences. They're just buzzing, you know, and that causes a lot of inflammation in the body, elevates cortisol levels. It just collapses your whole system. So uh, sleep is very critical. And in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, as you know, I have a whole chapter on sleep and how to set your environment up so that it's sleep friendly and things like lighting changes and using beeswax candles in the last couple of hours of daylight and uh, using lower lighting and and um, making sure that things are unplugged that are electronic devices and shutting off wireless routers and things like that. And th- these are little things that make a massive difference for people. And then we have the masculine principles, which is breathing, thinking, and movement. Breathing's masculine because oxygen's highly paramagnetic, so it's very yang. Water's diamagnetic which means it has an affinity to the north pole of a magnet, a paramagnetic the south pole. So whenever you breathe oxygen into your body, you create a charge differential because oxygen is very positive, let's say. Water is very negative. So the greater the charge differential you have, the more work potential you have. So someone that's not breathing very well has a low level of positive energy relative to the diamagnetic water energy in their body. So if people... Uh, don't have a way of reminding themselves to breathe diaphragmatically because as soon as a person gets emotionally stressed or stressed, they start locking their abdominals up and they go into a fear reaction. So a technique I give to people is is what I call centering breaths. I take a piece of kite string and I tie it around their waist, just tight enough to stay at the belly button. And I say, set your phone or your watch to beep every hour on the hour. And every breath, Take a deep belly breath and try to stretch the string as much as you can so you feel it digging in, which is called a negative feedback loop. So you feel a little bit of the discomfort, but your brain knows you're pushing out into the string, so you learn to drop the diaphragm down and get a full breath. And that trains the body to use the diaphragm properly. It oxygenates the blood, keeps the energy levels up, stimulates the metabolism. But as I... Teach it, I say, as you inhale, visualize you're a tree and your branches are reaching toward the sun, which is yang energy. Yang rises up the spine. As you exhale, visualize water flowing through the, um, uh, you got your conception vessel and your governing vessel. So it's the conception vessel in the front, the feminine microcosmic orbit. So you visualize water or just visualize your stress bleeding down your body into the earth and then let the earth take that energy and convert it into something positive. 
And I found with just 12 breaths an hour, usually within as little as a week or two, people actually retrain their breathing mechanism and people report that their ADD symptoms, their, you know, kind of scattered mind uh, goes away. Their Digestion, of, everything, all of it. Their, 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 their lymphatic flow is enhanced. Circulatory function is enhanced. Cognitive performance is enhanced. Metabolism is enhanced. People don't need to, um, if a person's not breathing right uh, or getting enough oxygen, then what happens is they have a metabolic energy crisis because they're not getting enough positive energy in there or, or paramagnetic energy. So what they do is they start drinking soda pop, eating sugar, um, using shortcuts, which really could be handled a lot with just breathing. If you look at the number of symptoms produced by breathing pattern disorders, it's mind boggling. Everything from headaches to visual problems, to musculoskeletal aches and pains, to digestive disorders. I mean, in my training, I have a chart of checklist and I have, and there's like three columns. So there's probably like 20 symptoms of a breathing disorder. And I just have people check, do you have any of these symptoms? Sometimes people fill almost the whole page because they're so deficient in, in oxygen and from lack of effective breathing. And so if we're not getting enough movement, then we don't stimulate our metabolism. We don't open up the respiratory pathways. I mean, you, you go, you know, kick a soccer ball or um, go to the gym or ride your bike or go for a jog. You're really energizing the whole system and, and putting a lot of um, kinetic energy through the system, thermal energy through the system hydraulic energy through the system as blood flows through the capillary system there's an exchange of ions that produces energy you've got fascia and whenever fascia is an electret so like if you're running and your foot strikes the ground your leg tenses uh, an electret is any material that produces a piezoelectric charge when it's deformed so fascia is highly piezoelectric so when you're lifting weights and you're tightening a muscle it's putting tension through the fascia which produces an electrical charge and every muscle in your body is linked to a meridian, which is linked to a gland or an organ. So as we're using our bodies, we're actually creating electrical energy or bioelectrical energy that flows first to the glands and organs connected to that muscle. And then through the chakra system and the spinal cord, it can overflow to other areas that also. So for example, if you're deficient in energy in your root chakra, but you're just doing biceps curls, once your fifth chakra and your fourth chakras are fed because they're linked right to the arms, it starts flowing down or up to where the body needs it most. So it's kind of like a self-balancing system. But if people stop exercising and stop breathing, then they usually start getting sedentary. They start eating crap. They start gaining weight. And their whole body just turns into a, um, a garden that's very poorly maintained and lots of weeds start growing. and and that's how diseases get started. But it's, I mean, if a person even invests just 30 minutes a day in, in, in some of these basic principles, it'll change their friggin' life. Some of my workouts are only 30 minutes now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I leave the gym with more energy than when I started. Yeah. And it is that the ability just to move and open up my body. Sometimes I don't need to crush it. And then, you know, sometimes I want to fucking pick something heavy up and, and yeah. get a good workout in. But listening to my body and showing up 
to movement and that doctor movement, doctor mm-hmm. quiet, doctor diet, mm-hmm. doctor happiness, showing up in each of those four lenses really makes a difference. I wanted to bridge the gap from thinking because we talked about one of these as the, the masculine principles, how that connects to our technologies, our addictions yeah. to cell phones, to shitty TV, to gaming and computers. Well, you know, thinking is an active process. Uh, both David Bohm and Carl Jung said something quite profound. They used almost the same words independent of each other, which, you know, great minds think alike. They said real thinking is hard work. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices and call it thinking. If we don't learn how to use our minds, which we're not taught to do in school, we're taught to just follow directions and do what we're told. We aren't given real problems, you know, like when I was a kid in school in auto mechanics, the, the instructor would give us an engine that had a problem with it. We have to figure it out. You know, yes, there's procedures for diagnostics and things like that, but you have to actively engage in the problem solving. You know, most of the way kids are educated today is multiple choice tests. That's not real thinking. You, you can kind of just wing it. And all you got to do is memorize stuff. There's no actual internal creative process. You know, like when someone comes to me with a health problem, I have to look at a lot of variables and I have to look at how each of these systems are interacting. I have to look at diet factors, lifestyle factors, mental factors, emotional factors, spiritual factors. So it's, 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 it's really, you know, when you, as an analogy, when you do a Rubik's cube, you've really got to pay attention to what you're doing or it'll never get done. And so thinking is kind of like going through the process of how do things fit together? What, you know, like when you stack rocks, you can't just throw any rock on top of another rock. You just get yourself hurt. You've got to really actually pay attention to the surfaces. How do these rocks have an effective relationship? Can they create stability together? And sometimes you find these two rocks just don't fit together. You might like the way it looks, but your stack will fall over and you'll you know, make a mess of yourself if you're not careful. So I'm pointing out that when you engage nature in a situation like that, where you're creating something spontaneously, you don't have saws to make everything fit perfect. You have to really have a relationship with the environment. You have to find out how do I work with stones to find ways that they work in harmony together to produce something beautiful but stable. With the way we've been educated through our educational systems and through government and through politicians and through the military and through religion, it's all about just doing what you're told to do. And it's about learning what to think, but not how to think. So we're in a a really dangerous situation because we have probably got more Uh, university degrees per capita than we ever had, but people seem to be dumber than they've ever been. And, and it boggles my mind, you know, traveling around the world all my whole career, working for Olympic committees, sports teams, professional sports teams of the very highest accord in many, many countries and many sports and working for universities, for Olympic teams, Olympic development teams, militaries. Um, You know, it's, 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 been amazing to me because when I get called in, there's some kind of a problem they can't solve. But when I go there, every single time, there's not a 
an effective problem-solving approach. It's if the recipe that I've been using for the last five years doesn't work, I don't know what to do, and I don't think past that. You know, people are much more complicated than than some prescription. You have to engage. You got to engage your own life. You have to look at. You know, it takes rational thinking and intuitive process to say where should I invest my money so that I'm investing in sustainable corporations that produce a good product that's good for the people and good for the planet. But if you just think I'm going to just put my money where it'll make me the most money, you can easily be con- contributing to the destruction of the world. You might make a lot of money, but you could easily lose your life because eventually this thing will collapse if we keep uh, focusing on money, not harmony. I had buddies that were invested in Monsanto years ago. And I was like, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. I don't give a shit what the return is. No, this is not the move. This, this is the, this is the opposite. It's investing in death. That kind of investment is so short sighted. Um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it, but I, I really, I'm not used to thinking that stupid, you know? <laughs> well, um, you know, one of the things that I loved in the documentary Food Inc., which was, came out years ago, Joel Salatin was in it. A lot of, a lot of people that have been on Rogan since and um, built more of a following. You think he's at Polyface Farms mm-hmm. is the idea that we vote with our dollar. Yes, totally. You know, and we were talking about, starving corporations that are killing the planet. I mean, dive into that for us because this is something that I think people look past. And and part of it is we get in the habit of Googling shit. We get in the habit of Mm -hmm. buying an iPhone. I fucking love my iPhone. And now Mm -hmm. they want to come out with iNARC and shit where they're going to look at all your photos. So there's like, it's a time to make big decisions about what's comfortable and what's necessary Mm -hmm. in really becoming sovereign. Yeah, you know, I think because phones have become weaponized, they're spy devices, you know, as you alluded to there. And as you know, you got the book Hooked by Near Eyal. I interviewed him. Um, there's a, you got Social Dilemma showing how dangerous social media is and, and how they themselves have no idea what, where it's going. The Creepy Line, which creepy you talked line. to Joe Mercola about. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes. is a brilliant podcast. Creepy Line dives deep into Google. It's on Amazon Prime, but deep into what Google started as and what they become. Yes. And what they've become is dangerous. They they have their own think tank like DARPA now. Uh, they work with DARPA. You start, you, you, you follow this whole issue with what we got going on right now back and it leads to BlackRock. I think there's another what, Blackwater or something like Black, two black companies. Um, you've got the military DARPA, you got the Google DARPA. And, you know, I was shit shocked when I was watching a documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but it was all about Google. And it's, and it let the cat out of the bag that Google owns and houses the U S military's hard drive systems. I'm like, how do you let a corporation handle secret military information when that should be segregated because if they have access to that information that's very dangerous you know and and then when you got you know all these organizations spying on us and all these people are in bed 
you know, I describe that because the military industrial complex has basically put itself in checkmate, they can't make money's really funding wars anymore because uh, <laughs> there's too many countries with nuclear weapons. You, you know, piss some South Korean asshole off, he'll light your ass up with a nuke. And then the next thing you know, you got the doomsday thing going on and everybody's launching nukes at each other. That's the end of the planet. So what's happened is we've actually created an autoimmune disorder. So now what they've done is weaponized technologies against their own people. And so just like we had TSA come in after 911, which was another step towards programming people into brainwashing them and billions and billions and billions of wasted dollars. We actually now have our own defense systems and our own military technology systems that were designed to protect us from invasive threats from the outside turned in. So now we're the targets. Now we're being the bad guys. And that's sick. That's an autoimmune disorder. That's the nation eating itself. and and spying on itself and it sends a message out that everybody's bad and we got to watch all of you and it's it's just extremely unhealthy for a culture to live that way the documentary v for vendetta went right into that you know the the and in a state of fear we surrender our power to an authority figure yeah you know and everybody goes looking around for save me get me out that's the daddy complex we were talking about have you seen The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein? No. That'll blow your mind. You mentioned her twice, so I'm going to yeah. dive in for sure. Yeah, it might be Naomi Wolf. I think it's Naomi Klein, but just look up The Shock Doctrine. It's a very famous book, um, but they synthesized it down to about a 90-minute documentary, which is on Amazon. She shows beyond a shadow of a doubt for hundreds of years they've been using the same models. They've been using secret agencies like the CIA starting false flag operations, killing the shit out of people, destroying cultures, all to brainwash people, to stress them out, to move them where they want to move them, destroy their resources, buy it for pennies on the dollar, raise the interest rate, sell it back, create fascist regimes. It's it's exactly what's going on right now, again, but with more advanced technology. And it's a real eye-opener because it shows you that they've been using a recipe that's been working literally for thousands of years. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but if you read Richard Wilhelm's translation of the Tao Te Ching, at the, after the 81 verses of poetry by Lao Tzu, he goes into a comprehensive expose of the manipulation of people by bringing in spiritual masters and the emperors would have them teach their government officials or priests or whatever what the teachings, then they would manipulate the teachings to make think people think they're practicing religion, but would be brainwashing them to be conformists. Wow. So, and this has been going on for thousands of years. The Catholic Church had brainwashing mastered by the 8th century AD, and they've been perfecting it ever since. You, you look at the book, a great book, The Immortality Key by Brian Morescu, he shows that the Vatican was officially the first drug cartel in the world and gives very good evidence for that and how it happened and why it happened. And so, you know, a lot of people know these things, but they don't do anything about them. 
So this is, you know, where I see you, you don't want to put money into um, corporations that are actually destroying your life, destroying your freedom. And, and I think we're at a time where we have to grow up. We have to become adult enough to, to discern and know what to do without, you know, like people that have addictive eating patterns cannot regulate their relationship with food. So food basically starts to own them. They get sick, they get obese, you know, health problems. So they don't have any discipline. And and where I see a big challenge for us is that our, our overall level of health and vitality worldwide is so low that people don't have the energy to make legitimate change. You know, you, I'm sure, you know, like if you, um, decide you're going to train for a, a jujitsu tournament, you have to be disciplined enough to get your training in and take care of your body. Or by the time the tournament shows up, you'll be beat up, broken and useless. So if, if we don't have the discipline to extract ourselves from ineffective social media, brain hooking, uh, you know, dopamine releasing Facebook likes, if, if we don't learn to use our minds and our phones as tools, then we become their slaves. And you know very well, every second you spend on the internet, someone's making money off you. So they're, they're using all this very advanced technology to keep you on the internet, because as long as they got you on the internet, they can keep putting suggestions in front of you, ads in front of you. So their, their goal is to keep you addicted to the internet so that you're more profitable to them. And if we don't, get clear you know this is why i say you have to have a clearly defined dream goal or objective for your life and then you have to have values to support it because if you don't have values around food values around movement values around rest and values around what is happy making for you you don't know when to say no i tell people your yes has no value until you learn to say no so if if we don't have values for the quality of and the use of our time and we can find ourselves wasting i've had so many patients that had video game addictions and couldn't get anything done and their wife or somebody was just irritated as hell because their husband's staring at a video game all day and not helping with the kids or not taking the garbage out or cleaning the yard you know when you start looking at how much time is being spent surfing the internet gaming um, Facebooking, twitting, twatting, tweeting, all <laughs> just a bunch of stupid shit. And when you, you know, I don't, I'm sure you've seen this. I've been in airports and restaurants and seen husbands and wives sitting side by side, texting each other mm -hmm. instead of talking to each other. Like when you have that level of automation, you really have a destruction of culture. You've lost relationship. And so we've got to actually start having the discipline to say, when is my phone contributing to the support of my values? And when is my time on or use of phone distracting from what it is that I have to accomplish today to make that next step toward living my dream, building my new house, growing my business? And, and you know, as a business owner who's had to fire a lot of people from for being terribly unproductive, wasting company time. I mean, we had it so bad for a while at the Institute, Penny had to put locks on all the copy machines because people were stealing photocopies, massive amounts. I don't know what the hell they were copying, but thousands of dollars a month in, in, in non-Institute stuff. 
She had to lock all the phones because people were making long-distance calls all over the world to friends and family and, and sneaking it in. We had to lock closets because people were stealing cleaning supplies and towels, go to the gym and there's no towels and they're like all gone. People would just rip shit off. People rip pins out of the gym. It's like, what the fuck is with people? My, my point is we're at this very dangerous tipping point where if we don't get some values back in and we don't understand four doctors and six foundation principles and we don't understand that the mind and the body mirror each other. An unhealthy body makes an unhealthy mind. An unhealthy mind makes an unhealthy body. So if we don't start investing in balancing our biochemistry, taking care of our hydration, and all the things we've been talking about, then we actually don't have enough energy to think creatively and to think constructively and to solve problems. And so the other thing is, is it's very well known from research in, in psychology, in, in consciousness, in depth psychology, and Steiner's teachings and many others, that to become conscious is hard work. The mind really has to get engaged. You know, you really, I mean, think of when you first started podcasting to now. How much more conscious are you of the process and how to do it? Infinitely more. Right. And a good example of that is I used to be exhausted after a podcast. Yeah. After one, mm-hmm. it used to fucking zap me. Yeah. Because it was new. There was a lot, a so lot to gather. You're right? building brain circuits. You're really actually building new brain circuits to support these concepts and ideas. And if you don't keep working those circuits, then they begin to pare down. The body won't do anything that's not necessary. It's a, it operates on the men's principle, minimal electrical neuromuscular stimulation and the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demands. So when we're engaging consciousness, we go through this process of learning and growing, but Jung makes it very clear that most people don't want to do the work to be conscious. So they're very happy being unconscious and when people are unconscious, like hypnotic states, watching televisions, playing video games, surfing the internet, they're easy to target because they're in a hypnotic state. You can drop suggestions into them very, very quickly. And any magician can show you exactly how easy that is to do or someone that knows how to brainwash. Um, so if we don't have dreams, goals, and objectives that give us something beyond ourselves to grow into, right? To, to move into this property, um, me and Angie and Penny, not only did we do five years of meditative prayer and manifestation work with our own oracle for the property, where we went through a process that I put together and developed from my years of study on manifestation, but we had to do that. We had to look for houses. We drove all over Hell's Half Acre looking for places, but we kept thanking the universe for our new home and visualizing it. And five years later, we found it. That takes a lot of discipline, right? Most people don't have the discipline to pray about anything. They don't even pray for their food every day. They just eat like, like it's just shit they're eating. They don't, they don't, they don't realize you're eating a living soul of something. Or, or they pray to a God outside themselves and yeah. ask, they beg and they, they, they beg, don't yes. do the echo test, right? Yes. They're not saying it as if it is already so and calling that in and taking the necessary steps yes. to create it. Or as the Quakers say, pray and move your feet. They just want God to do everything for them. 
God, I need money. God, I want someone to love me. God, I want a new car. But that's not a conscious engagement. Walter Russell says the universe moves any dream towards you in a one-to-one relationship. Every step you take towards your dream, the universe moves it toward you. But most people are not praying and moving their feet. They're just praying, which is really kind of a very childish notion of a God in the sky that has nothing to do except grant your wishes like a giant Santa Claus. That's just not realistic. That's not how life works. We have to give back to life. If you just keep taking from life, you kill life. We have to return to a reciprocal relationship. Um, Walter Russell speaks of the love principle, and he says, in order for love to work effectively, giving and receiving have to be in balance. So if we're receiving all this from nature, we're taking all this minerals out of the earth, we're taking food out of the earth, we're taking resources out of the earth, we're strip mining the earth, we're pulling billions of tons of exotic minerals out of the earth to make uh, computer chips for iPhones and all this crap. Uh, you know, we must, God only knows what resources went into all these masks that are now just polluting the oceans and the environment. Interestingly, all of which came out of China, right? They're all made in China uh, and many other things. So if, if we don't um, pay attention to the reciprocity relationship, then we just overdraw the bank account. I mean, nobody can just keep withdrawing money from their bank account indefinitely without putting money back in. I mean, anybody with two brain cells holding hands knows that. But we seem to be completely and utterly comfortable ignoring the fact that we're sucking the living life right out of the planet, destroying it, and just pretending like nothing's going on. And so it, when it comes to things like fuel, like we bought solar here. We spent 90000 bucks for solar plus $40,000 for batteries. It was a big investment. My electricity bill out here is thirteen to 1500 bucks a month. I'm just pissing money into the wind. And it's very expensive. You know, billionaires are just getting more and more billionaire and trillionaire off of our electricity. So I said with the girls and I said, let's get the solar. So it'll cost for about a year and a half or whatever the payments are. We have to pay about the same amount of money a month. Our electric bill dropped down to $120 a month. Damn, 10X. One, 120 from 1500 So the rest of the money that we used to pay now goes into paying off the solar. Once that solar's paid for, we're off the grid. We can get by on 120 bucks a month. We'll have the batteries. If the power goes out, we're fully equipped. I'm got, we've got enough batteries and a big, and we made sure we had a big enough grid system to run all our pumps for the pond, for waterfalls, for the entire 14-acre property. And once that's paid off, you now have clean energy. You really, um, you're not using power generated by um, coal burning or uh, nuclear power plants. You're doing something that's much more cleaner and sustainable. Um, you know, we've got, we, we got to get away from burning fossil fuels in cars. Uh, I think, I think we got to get away from cities as well. We do. You know, a lot of the stuff that that's coming out in particular with, with, um, you know, terms like new world order, one world government, that, those kind of things that you get thrown around, they don't really give people a picture of what it looks like. But when they talk about transhumanism and you sent me a great podcast on it, I'll link to that in the show notes. And 
smart grid cities, which yeah. is, are all being built right now. Yeah. They're, they're basically surveillance state cities. They where are. Everything is mapped. That's already happening. I have cameras on every single streetlight in my neighborhood in Austin. Yeah. They went up all through lockdown at every intersection. Yep. And that's not where I want to live, especially if they start going door to door, mandating uh, experimental medicine. I'm not, I'm not fucking up for it. Me either. So, you know, this idea that we return to building communities, return yep. to growing our own food, return yep. to regenerative agriculture is something that's been very prominent for me. And especially while I've been here, you know, seeing this property connecting to the land, it's undeniable that that is the move. And at bare minimum, for people, if uh, moving is not an option or if you don't really, I mean, I'll put it this way. One of the things that I've come to understand through manifestation and consciousness is that if you dream it, you're going to be connected to the right people. Mm-hmm. So if it's something where you're like, well, no one in my neighborhood, you can move. Someone in your state, if you had to stay in your state, is going to have this idea all over. We're talking, Ben Stewart was just here. He's doing it in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Several Mm -hmm. places like this are going up in Texas. One of my level fours is building a beautiful self-sustained community in Idaho. Um, There's people all over the world realizing we've got to do this. Dominer, that documentary just came out. I haven't watched oh, it yet. Oh, Demonhar, we yeah. Yeah, we're just Beautiful. talking about that on, on Netflix. Uh, Dr. Will Tegel has been telling me about them for over a year now. Yeah. One of the longest running yes, sustainable like 35 communities. years or something, maybe yeah. 40. Yeah, these this is doable. It's not, it's, not a, um, it's not a far cry from a reality that we can make. And it's a shift we can do quickly where we can start to embody Steiner's principles and harmonize with nature mm-hmm. and actually start to give back more than we take. Uh, Ice Age Farmer is a guy that I absolutely love on YouTube. Highly mm-hmm. recommend people check him out. He's been very outspoken about the Klaus Schwab's of the world. That's and, a bunch of horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, Ice Age Farmer has been talking about um, this idea that we become producers and we produce more than we consume. Yes. That's one of the ways we return within that sacred hoop in the law of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you said something earlier you said for, the, for the people that won't do it, moving out, going back to a more sustainable environment where you can have community and be in touch with the land. I say, okay, good. You have to make a choice. You either live in a toxic city that's not conducive to human health and it's destroying the planet and die there and live a life of half-mast living, low energy, you know, the other thing, you know, the, these 5G systems and 6G systems, as you know, they're all set up because of their, they got massive plans for robotics and remote control or uh, self-driven cars. I mean, this they're turning this thing into an electric buzz. I mean, everything's freaking electric. Um, you know, there's going to be millions of people put out of jobs by all these robots. My point is, is if a person says, oh, I can't do that, then I have a question. What are you going to do? How are you going to live? How are your kids going to live? Do you want to be a biological organism that's a product of nature caught in something very akin to the inside of Google? A bunch of white, sterile, dead, plantless, lifeless shit. I I used, you know, for 19 years, I lectured in Manhattan at the Marriott Marquis uh, for a huge fitness conference in um in in new york and i would just be like trying to find a place to do some tai chi where i could get my feet on the ground i would have to walk blocks and blocks to find a tree i'd be doing 
Tai Chi next to this poor little shabby tree with razor wire around it. We're in a parking lot where there's a tree on the other side of a fence in someone's backyard, but that was the closest I could get to something. I would leave New York feeling desperate to get home, just desperate to get my feet on the desperate to breathe fresh air, desperate to see color. If you study Steiner's work, he talks all, and, and, and so did, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Better Eyesight. Uh, I forgot the doctor's name. It's a famous book, but they talk about how when we don't see enough color, our eyes begin to weaken and it affects our body very negatively. You know, you and I both paint. Color is very powerful. And if you're in an environment like a city where everything's gray and there's no plant life and you're not seeing the sky, it has a big effect on your psychology. And it really sets people up for depression and anxiety because the body's actually starving for connection. We forget that we're in a living organism that is nature itself and needs nature. So when you start drinking dead water and eating dead food and eating chemicals and loading your body up, your body is having an experience of being disconnected from nature that produces an internal response similar to when a child gets separate from its mother in a shopping mall. The child gets scared to death. It's like, where's my mommy? This is like a big, scary place. So if the body does not have connection to sunlight, connection to water, connection to soil, connection to clean air, connection to color, to movement, to terrain, to seasons, to life, to um, foods that are farmed in season and eaten, so we're moving with the energy cycles. People just get more and more dead, which makes them perfect targets for the medical system. It makes them highly susceptible to any kind of virus or illness because they have no immune system. They're just dead people, walking dead people. And, and so my point I'm driving at is people say, oh, I can't move. I say, well, you're, well, you can die. You'll be moving into a hospital to die. So take your pick and your kids won't last long either. So, uh, you know, when you look at how much manipulation and greed goes on with things like power and gasoline and oil and big pharmaceutical, big pharmaceutical and the farming industry and the chemical industry. We are in a very dangerous situation. 90% of the world's food is produced by five corporations. We already saw what they can do with lockdowns. If they want to shut the food supply down, you got serious problems. What are you going to do in cities like LA, New York, Chicago, go three days without food and water? There will be nothing left on the shelves. When I was a paratrooper, the first thing they teach you is you knock out communications and you get rid of the food supply and the war is over. Well, yeah, 72 hours to anarchy. One of, one of my favorite quotes. It's pretty uh, important right now. Well, you see, my point is they've already got control of our communications and they got control of our food supply. So I tell people, look, I used to be a paratrooper. I was trained to go kill people and take their land and take their resources in the name of national defense, which is all a bunch of bullshit, most of it. But the point I'm making is if you do what I'm doing, they can't shut my fucking power off. Good try. It ain't going to work. They can't take my water away. They can't take my food away. 
I got gardens. I got fruit trees. Soon I'm going to have animals. I'll say, go play your fucking stupid game somewhere else. And so what I see is the very important road forward. Let's say, you know, like Jason Picard, who we just spent time with, he's building a phenomenal complex with the whole thing's being designed by Ibrahim and Doria Kareem. Whoa. The whole thing. We're going to dive into biogeometry in a second, but please continue on that. Yeah. Because this is, I didn't get the chance to talk to him while he was Whoa, out here about this. Dude, he's spending. He's on 200 acres, right? In upstate New York. Uh, yeah, 200 or 170. And he's setting it all up, just like we're talking about. Uh, my buddy, uh, Jay Sable, he's putting a community together. Where, uh, there's a number of them out there now, but my point is this. If we start going a little more rural out into the countryside and we all start saying, okay, we're going to have our own power grids. We're not going to rely on the city, whether it be solar, whatever it is, any number of possible technologies. If we have our own food, our own wells, and our own power, and there's a major catastrophe anywhere in the world, then we can actually have cells. So you got your little township. I got my township. If a bomb was to hit or lightning or a tornado or whatever, we can support each other. They're our next door neighbors say, okay, here we can plug into your grid here. We can bring you some food. We can bring you some water. Then we are actually very free of tyrannical governmental corporate control because we actually can control our own resources and we can depend upon each other. And the other thing it does is, you see, if we go toward more barter like maybe i raise cattle and in in you are a carpenter or a mechanic and you say okay paul i'll take care of your tractors if you give me some food we we have tangible goods now but you know you know very well right now if you get something broken like your air conditioning or you need to call customer service because your phone's not working your computer's not working have you noticed that nobody does their job you can't get anything done. I have had a long string since we moved in here 15 months ago. Refrigerator repairmen come and break our refrigerator. Concrete workers making things worse, not better. We just had to fire the company we hired to build our uh, barbecue that caught on fire. Um, they were just useless as shit. Um, <laughs> Penny and Angie are just constantly pissed off because they have banking problems People don't know what they're doing. They can't think. They have no consciousness because they're collapsing into themselves. The point I'm driving at is, you see, we've got this kind of bogus, invisible economy that's based on money that nobody really sees. But when you and me are in a relationship and you fix my tractors and I give you beef, if you don't fix my fucking tractor, I'm not giving you your beef. And if you give me beef, I give you beef that's no good for some reason. You're not fixing my tractor. So now we're held accountable. You and I now have a reciprocity and we need to stay honest with each other or we both suffer. But the way the thing's set up now, everybody's screwing everybody. I mean, the, the amount of corruption on this planet is shocking. But when we have to depend upon each other and we get all the big daddies in the sky out of the way and say, you guys go play your own stupid games with people that are dumb enough to play that game. We're going to actually start seeing two cultures emerge. Those that are connected to the land and those that are smart enough to um, think ahead 
and go back into harmony with the world. I mean, you look at Steiner's principles of biodynamic farming, you look at real organic farming, you look at permaculture. When you use those systems, every year you farm, the soil gets more nutritious. Every year you farm corporately, you destroy the soil. When you destroy the soil, as I show in my book, How, How to Eat Move and Be Healthy, if you poison plants and animals and you eat them, you poison yourself. And the medical system preys on you. And the government preys on you. Insurance companies prey on you. And all this stuff's backed by fucking science. Every drug that was ever taken off the market for killing thousands of people was first approved by scientific research. We have lost all our morality in science. Science has become technology and marketing. It has not got, we've lost the majority of our science. And all of this is by corporate manipulation and greed for one thing and one thing only, profits. Well, great. There's a handful of people making billions of dollars and the rest of the planet's being eaten alive. You start looking to people like Bill Gates, it'll turn your damn stomach. The shit that guy's up to, he's trying to outlaw animal farming worldwide and he's trying to start it right in Oregon. He's trying to put legislation through right now to make it illegal in the state of Oregon to farm animals. Now, I know it's never going to go through because people in Oregon are going to say, screw you, buddy, but he's trying. And, you know, this guy's got enough money to buy anybody. They tried to, uh, this happened twice during the Obama administration where they tried to make it illegal for us to grow our own food. And that didn't go through, but, but consider that consider dependency. I mean, one thing that lockdown proved was how many structures we have in place that are finicky at best. Yes. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And, when you take away people's ability to grow their own food, that makes us more dependent upon a system that is broken. You are in a Mexican finger trap. You know what a Mexican finger trap is? Mm-mm. If you go down to Tijuana, they sell Mexican finger traps and they're neat little uh, tubes. I thought those were Chinese finger traps. They're called but- Mexican <laughs> finger traps. There's Mexico's Tijuana. right here. China's a long way to get your finger trap. They're still made in China. <laughs> uh, probably. Or they do hand weave them here. Oh, no shit. Yeah, they, if you cool. go to the border, there are kids walking around selling them because it's a kind With of a... Chiclets? <laughs> yeah, some, or, or shit food. But anyhow, if, you, if I put my finger in it, or you put both fingers in it, and you try to get out, the harder you pull, the more it grabs your finger. Mm-hmm. So you can't get out of the damn thing. You have to get smart enough to push it together, expand it, then pull your finger up. Most people are too stupid to do that. <laughs> so what I'm saying is we're getting ourselves into a Mexican finger trap with all this shit. The further you get into this corporate control and you know spying on phones and you know controlling people's income, if these vaccine passports go through, everybody's fucked. It's communism. You know they can. deteriorate the value of your money in the bank. They can raise your interest rates. They can shut off where you can go buy food. They can stop you from buying food. I mean, yeah, people think it's about travel and it's like, uh, understand this already in France, you're not allowed in movie theaters. You're not allowed in grocery stores. You're not allowed to do anything you would normally do to survive, let alone entertain yourself without a passport. Yeah, that's a whole different thing than just saying, "Hey, we think it'd be good if you don't do international travel without it, or if we don't do, you know, I mean, it, it, it's going to come down to not even being able to drive between states is where they want to push this." Yes, now, yes. I, it is my Biden's talking about state border checks. My 
my hope is that there are at least enough states with their heads screwed on straight that say, fuck that. We're going to do yeah. it our own way and we're going to allow interstate travel through an RV, through a truck, through a car, whatever you want to do, because you're not harming anybody by doing that. And if they don't, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Texas and Florida are going to become the most crowded states in the United States because the rest of the people that have brain cells are going to move there just to get free of all that shit. And, and you know, this is all based on bogus science. It's based on lies, corruption, greed, and manipulation. And as you know, you follow the money back and it gets to just a small handful of people, 85 people, some some of the research says 85 people are controlling this whole fucking planet. That's got to go. It's just unethical. It's immoral. It's greedy. It's causing a massive separation of the upper class and the lower class. And whenever you see that happen, you get what you get in Brazil, Argentina, people, countries that turn into third world fascist countries that just dissolve into chaos and drug cartels and violence and destruction. And, and people got to wake the fuck up is what's going on. I mean, this goes back to what Jung talked about. Jung said that people are happy to stay unconscious because they're too lazy to do the work to become conscious. So what does it look like to be unconscious? It looks like you do a job you don't like, you go home, you drink a bunch of alcohol and watch stupid soap operas on television just to get yourself out of the rat race that you've bought into, convincing yourself it's all you can do to make a living so you numb yourself. You get more and more numb. The next thing you know, one glass of wine turns into two, turns into three, turns into something else, and you've got an alcohol addiction or a smoking addiction, or you've got a prescription drug addiction because now you've got anxiety or depression. And so you just spin fucking down until you're dying. Meanwhile, they're extracting every goddamn penny they can get out of you. The point is, is that you see, those are all acts of being unconscious. Here's what it looks like to be unconscious. You get up, you look at yourself in the mirror. You notice you're getting fatter. You go to work, you eat the same shit, you don't exercise, and you wake up the next day and you're getting fatter. And you keep going on and you look around and everybody's getting fatter, so you think, oh, there's nothing wrong with it, everybody's doing it. But meanwhile, you're losing your health, you're losing your vitality, you're losing your creativity, you're losing your sex drive, you're too tired to mow your yard, so now your yard looks like shit. You're too lazy to wash your car, and pretty soon you're too lazy to brush your fucking teeth and wash your hair, and you're an unconscious, automated, robotic profit center for assholes like Bill Gates that couldn't give a fuck about you. That's what it means to be unconscious. To be conscious says, wait a minute, I've had enough of this shit, and I don't care if I have to fucking move. I don't care if I have to become a citizen of the land. I don't give a fuck what I got to do. I am going to use my own mind and my own inner resources to find people that want to live and want to be free of tyranny and starve out these corporations. The problem is, is that we've got so many people that are addicted. Can we really do the work we've got to do to free ourselves from this? Can you use your iPhone only to support your dream and not be an addictive? Can you use your computer productively? Can you use your television for entertainment at the end of a productive day instead of being a zombie staring at television, living off of uh, low income or uh, a mediocre job that just gets you by? Do you have the discipline to go upskill yourself so that you're worth more money in the marketplace? 
do you realize the importance of food? I tell my students, and many of them have, I say, go find an organic farm somewhere and work on the farm for six months or a year and learn how to do it so you can go start your own farm and then you'll be fine. And a lot of them do it. At least build the relationship, right? Build, I mean, I've get got the a- knowledge, right? Get the knowledge, learn what's possible, um, learn what happens to you when you eat real food, pay attention to how your body feels, how your mind works, your vitality, your sex drive, your creativity. Food is the fucking foundation of everything. I mean, I've <laughs> been doing this a long time. And I've seen very sick people become healthy people largely because of cleaning up their diet and getting those six foundation principles balanced. When I started, you know, I was, when I was started in mixed martial arts, I had a coach, Ray, Ray D'Alessio, if you're, if you're listening. And uh, he was a big fan of yours. And he oh, turned right. me on. Yeah, he, yeah. He was the guy that turned me on to you. Oh, right. And we watched the Flatten Your Abs Forever mm. video on VHS. And then he got me into how to eat, move me healthy. And I did all the questionnaires and I was, I was like, cool, you know, like I really just wanted it for fucking shredded abs. And mm-hmm. then I realized very quickly into the video, this had nothing to do with having shredded abs. Well, it does. It does, but yes, <laughs> everything to do with gut health yeah. and organs and it holistic worked. living, right? It did. <laughs> You're shredded. And I was, thank you, brother. And I, I couldn't believe though how my brain worked. Oh yeah. I could not believe it. And yeah. that that was a seed, you know, akin to these these birthday letters that you got. That planted a seed in me where I understood health differently. I understood my body differently. And I understood my relationship with food differently forever. Yeah. That never went away. Yeah. Even if I continued to have cheat meals after a fight and treat myself like shit because I thought I deserved it, that too went away. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that, that all fell under the wasteland. Well, you know what but- you do is you, you switch to healthy cheat meals, meaning mm-hmm. real ice cream or homemade cake or organic ingredients that sweet potato pie we just had yes sweet with right fruit you, out of this world you can eat really damn good tasting food that's very good for you right and and it's i'll tell you the kind of situation we got going on we have raised so many people on junk food i'll tell you a true story penny and i were flying home from europe or somewhere um long seminar tour Due to flight delays and stuff, we ended up landing in Denver at like two o'clock in the morning or some crazy thing. And everybody was hungry. You know, there was, uh, they didn't have food on the airplane. Um, Penny and I carry food everywhere we go. So I had, uh, I'd eaten my main food. We've been traveling for like 12 or 15 or more hours. And um, we were on this bus going to the hotel at like two in the morning. And there was two, about 20-year-old college girls that had just come back from a trip to China. And we could hear them saying, God, I'm starving. I hope, um, uh, what is this uh, fast food joint? It's like Taco Bell or something was supposed to be at the, ho- at the, at the hotel. I hope it's open because I'm starving. And I s- said to the girls, I have a few organic carrots here. Would you like a, 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 some carrot sticks to snack on? And they go, oh, we don't eat that kind of food. I go, what do you mean? That's real food. I said, what are you going to do if you get to the hotel and there's no food there because it's closed? You're going to starve all night. Why not just eat some carrots? They actually acted like I was trying to offer them some kind of bad, sick food. These, and I've seen this a thousand times, they have become so conditioned to the super saturated chemical foods that upregulate your taste centers because they got so much stimulus in them 
But when they eat an organic carrot, it tastes like bland nothing to them. And that's what Steiner called supersaturation. So we've got an entire culture in the world that has been raised on fast food and because of it does not like the taste of real food because there's so many chemicals in that that overstimulate the system. It would be like going from, it would be like somebody that was used to drinking chocolate milk every day and then all of a sudden you switched them to water and they go, I, I, I don't like that water. Like, uh, guess what? That's what chocolate milk's made in. You can't have milk without water and you don't need the chocolate and you don't need the shitty pasteurized milk. Why don't you drink some good water? You'll be a lot better off for it and they won't drink it, right? So we've actually got billions of people that won't eat real food because they're like rats or it's like my buddy Steve Clark says, it's the cockroach principle. They're so used to eating garbage that they don't know how to handle real food anymore. And so, you know, we've got a number of areas where we have to wake up. And, you know, when Trump gave his $2 trillion stimulus package for COVID, I said to people, imagine what would happen if the United States government spent $2 trillion to teach people how to eat, move, and be healthy. Imagine if they put $2 trillion into funding organic farms and to bringing real food into education systems and schools and teaching people how to have a healthy immune system. COVID would just be like the seasonal flu. It wouldn't be anything. Well, it kind of is, but it yes, is, I, yes. Get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. People would be robust. Yeah. And it wouldn't be this big dragon. Even the, the elderly. I mean, everyone that's dying has comorbidities. You know, mm-hmm. you erase the comorbidities. Yep. People stop dying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very simple. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a giant leap. And, you know, obviously it's beating a dead horse talking about it, but none of that shit's been discussed. Nobody talked about vitamin D3, sunlight, movement, none of that sleep, none of that stuff's In been fact, discussed. In they, so- they tried to stop all that from happening. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there's an ulterior motive, right? This is. Zinc, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, it's, all that stuff. It's classic suppressed. brainwashing. It's classic isolation, fear tactics, control, and the only way out is to do what we tell you to do. <laughs> I was trained in the military. I know exactly the formula. Studied brainwashing. I look at this and go, this is just brainwashing 101. This is an agenda by a small number of people to control as many people as possible, to put the hands, money in the hands of a very few people. And it's no surprise that since the beginning of COVID, there's been 15 new billionaires created on sales directly related to COVID stuff. I mean, you don't have to be too smart to follow the money. So I think we're in a a situation where we have um, responsibilities to each other and to the planet. And if we don't start uh, putting on our big boys and big girl undies and shoes and getting out there and, and, getting smart about, you know, like I tell people, don't use Google, stay off of Google. Every time you use that, you're contributing to the devil. You're feeding the dragon. I use Ecosia. Are you familiar with Ecosia? No. Ecosia is a search engine that my buddy Matt Walden turned me on to. And every time you do, for every four searches you do, they plant a tree. Oh, wow. They plant a tree in some third world country. They have a whole tree planting program. So instead of getting ripped off by Google and having rigged, 
results. You're just using a standard search engine. It'll find the same stuff. And every time you searching, you're planting trees. That's what I call the effective use of technology. And if people stay off of Google and don't use Facebook uh, for stupid shit, um, use these things in ways that are dream affirmative, right? So Facebook for the Czech Institute is a place where we market to people to come learn holistic health. That's an effective use of Facebook. But spending piles of time um, arguing with people and, and being uh, pissed off and rude and disgusting over stupid shit is, is a complete uh, display of our infantile um, psychological development. That brings me to something. We've got about, well, I'll stretch it here. I can wait a little bit. I don't have to quite leave at 3.30. So maybe Penny, I'll holler at her and see if she can hold uh, my ride to the airport. Mm-hmm. You have a painting workshop coming up mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, my brother, Christian Pena, will be here. Andres from uh, Fit for Service, one of the OG first first members. Some a really good group of guys. Dr. Mm-hmm. Bo Hightower, a good buddy of mine. All these guys are coming out. Uh, please talk about these four archetypical states throughout the hero's journey, because I'd love to dive into this. I think it's a critical thing for people to be able to map what it actually looks like to move through these different layers of being a human in one life. Yeah. So what I did was through all my years of coaching and studying depth psychology and archetypes and psyche and all things related, um, I identified that there was four key archetypal phases that we have to go through in our life in order to um, get the fruits that life is offering us for our spiritual development and our mental emotional development to become to reach our potential as a human being we're all born a child so a child is completely dependent upon other people to support it it's eye-centric it can only think about its needs children uh, don't really give a shit if the laundry's done they just want to eat and play. Um, so once we go through puberty, we reach what I call the warrior archetype. As we go through puberty, we begin to reject our parents' ideas. We often reject some of society's ideas. We reject ideas from school teachers because we're trying to individuate. There's an, a drive for individuation to become an individual in society. Like, who am I really? Right. And so at the warrior level, we have to usually work with mentors, but we were tasked with getting clear what our values are. What am I willing to fight for, to die for? For example, am I willing to fight for democracy or am I just going to lay over, play dead and become part of some kind of communist society that's being thrust upon us? Well, I say fight for your fucking life because you are not going to like being on some stipend you know, like this Klaus Schwab idea of you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And you rent everything. Yeah. Drones will deliver it. Yeah. It's like, are you out of your fucking mind? And all this shit about, oh, we got to protect nature. You're the same assholes that have been destroying nature from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. what, what, when are you going to, you think all of a sudden you're just going to turn over a new leaf and become environmentalists? Are you out of your mind? We're yeah, not they're, stupid. They're piggybacking it on that. And they're, they're, on environmentalism, they're not going to allow us in nature. I know. That's it's the way they preserve virtual reality. It. I see you're, they're not going to allow us, but they're going to strip mine the fuck out of nature. Mm-hmm. They're going to extract all the trees. They're going to kill this goddamn planet is what they're going to do. They just want us out of the fucking way so we can't see what they're doing. 
So we got warrior archetype. <laughs> yeah, there's warrior, right? We got to stand up for this shit. We got to say, screw you, Klaus Schwab. You go, you go buy your own property and live that way, but piss off the rest of the planet. Um, so the warrior archetype is when we really have to get clear who we are, right? When you were a martial artist, you had to learn who you were. You had to learn what was important to you. You had to learn uh, what is worth fighting for and what's not worth fighting for. Um, so we have to have some kind of a mentor because we need people to help us explore different belief systems, different values, things like different religions, uh, different sexual orientations, different ways of living. So, you know, when you're in your early, late teens, early 20s, even up into your 30s, oftentimes you're still kind of figuring out who you are. So in the warrior phase, it's a kind of a dangerous phase because you can get trapped in an ism and start fighting for shit you really don't understand and only later realize <laughs> it was a bad idea. Like a lot of these kids that believe in socialism. Yes, and, and, and uh, you know, any ism, Nazism. You know, Jung says whenever a culture's, so does Joseph Campbell, whenever a culture's myth begins to break down, isms pop up everywhere because without a guiding myth, people feel lost. So they gravitate, gravitate toward any authority figure that seems to have the power and the ability to protect them so that they can stay unconscious. You see, they revert the responsibility to making choices to the leader. So that's what Hitler did, right? He came in with an ism. Um, you've got a lot of isms out there, you know, Rastafarianism, vegetarianism. Uh, there's a long list of them, right? And they're all uh, externalizing your responsibility to make choices to a leader. Almost always some crazy motherfucker who's got a pie in the sky idea. That's why people like Trump. He was an ass kicker, right? So they relegated their responsibility to make choices to Donald Trump to protect us and build fucking walls and start all sorts of shit. Meanwhile, he was destroying nature reserves, getting rid of the EPA and all that crap. So the wire phase is a tricky phase because you're in uncharted territory. You're coming out of childhood into the world and you've got to figure out who and what you are. And that often relies heavily on parental values. You see, I grew up on a farm with, with holistic minded parents. So I left the farm knowing that those were values that supported me. Uh, I didn't need to reject my parents' ideas about farming. Uh, there was definitely ideas around that my parents had that I didn't want to participate and still to this day won't. I became a paratrooper and I became a real warrior, but I realized that I was fighting for the wrong cause. It was an illusion. But so I upgraded my values and I said, okay, I need to cut my own path and have my own values. And then that led me to my professional career and to organic farming and organic food, all the things that I teach. And so basically what happened is I, realized what I was willing to invest my time and my energy and my resources into supporting, energizing, and growing and defending, right? The king and the queen stage is a hard stage to get to because by definition, kings or queens are highly successful people that are quite self-autonomous. They don't need other people to feed them or to provide for them. Um, they're almost always top of their field professionally. They're usually very masterful. Um, they're worth a lot of money because their services are very sought after, like a, a master at anything. You want a master, you, you want a, a really good guitar 
and you're going to go find someone who will build you a guitar for about 10 grand. And that guy is going to have a lot of money. He's going to be highly respected. You want great music? If you want to hire, uh, uh, you know, some great musician, you're going to pay him a lot of money. You're not just going to get Elton John to come play at your birthday party for less than about 2 million bucks. Why? Because he's a king. So you're going to go pay for a king. So the warriors, just like there's stages of childhood, when you're a three-year-old, you're different than when you're a seven-year-old, you're different than when you're 15, and you're different when you're 20. So you see the growth and maturity of the child until it hits the warrior. Then you see the immature warrior learning life experience, and he's becoming more and more like a king. He begins to emulate the king. So there's a whole string of lesser kings until you get to the bigger kings. Well, at the top of the king pile, you got Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, uh, Elon Musk. You get the people that are controlling the whole fucking planet is what you got. And those kings cast spells to control everybody below them because that's how they stay kings. So that's who's messing the planet up right now. There's Bill Gates and all these other guys casting spells. Why? Because they have the most money and the most advanced technology and the most science and they know how to manipulate people's heads and they make you know, uh, technologies that addict you and they can turn smartphones into spy devices. And so the kings are very, very dangerous. At the top, they're super dangerous because they're trying to get everybody to conform to their ideas, their ideals, which is almost always capitalistic, financially driven, bottom line, scientific, materialist, death to the planet concepts. But then the king comes to realize that to maintain that empire is a lot of work. And so eventually they come to the point where they don't have the energy to keep inflating their persona anymore. So if the king's not careful, they go through a serious midlife crisis where they have to reinvent themselves. That's usually the beginning of the spiritual quest. When you can no longer play the game or you realize that what you're doing isn't adding value to your life or to the world, and you go through a crisis of transition. And from the child stage, you're at your first simplicity. The warrior becomes complex. The king is the most complex. So if you look at a bell curve starting on the left, simplicity, born. I just got born. I'm very simple. I go to school. I learn. I get involved in the complexities of the world. I start getting more complex, more educated. My mind's full of shit. I know a lot of stuff. Now my life's getting very chaotic and hard to manage. And so you reach the top of the complexity curve at the king and the queen stage because they're managing the most. And you, and you realize you can't keep this going forever. It's too stressful. So you go into the wise man, wise woman phase, which is where you grow into more empathetic and compassionate love. A child is in a sex and violent stage of love, just surviving. The warrior is in conditional love. I love you if and when or but. I love you if you do what I do. I love you if you um, don't oppose me. So there's always conditions there, right? The kings are the maximum of conditional love. Do it or I'll kill you <laughs> or I'll lock your ass up. I'll put you in lockdown. So then you get to empathetic and compassionate love. As the king matures and starts to see everybody inside of him or herself, they go, oh, God, I remember when I was 20, I was a freedom fighter or I was living with Osho or Malcolm X or I was part of Martin Luther King's movement or whatever. So then you start coming down the other side and you realize that all the problems of the world are things you've not only experienced, but you've lived through yourself and you can see how people are lost. And so 
once you start getting into your second simplicity, you start reconnecting to nature. You start slowing your rhythms down. You become more aware of what you need to live a healthy life, to live a sustainable life. And you reconnect to nature and you realize that you can't be whole without living a life that's a lot simpler and a lot more nourishing to your soul. And in so doing, you begin to counterbalance the kings because the wise man is the king of the inner world, the spiritual world. The king is the king of the outer world. So until the inner and outer match up, you're always out of balance. You can have all the money. Look, how many famous movie stars, musicians, uh, people at the top of their game, athletes destroy themselves. They completely destroy themselves. They work themselves to death. They drug themselves to death because they don't find spirituality. So all the money, all the drugs, all the cocaine, all the pussy, all the sex, it just doesn't fulfill them. So they end up going into a severe crisis or committing suicide. And if they don't make it into the spiritual world, they just annihilate themselves. And that's one of the problems with the king stage. You get enough power to destroy yourself. You can afford all the drugs. You can afford kinky sex. You can afford, uh, you know, the kind of shit you see going on in these elite circles and crazy stuff. And they're bored. They don't know how else to entertain themselves. But once you start reconnecting to life and to nature and to the cycles of the seasons and the rising and setting of the sun and the um, matching your inner rhythms with the outer rhythms so you're moving with the flow of the cosmos, you enter the Tao and you, you live... The Taoist principle, not too much, not too little. Not too much work, but not too little. Not too much food, not too little. Not too much sex, not too little. Not too much play, not too little. Enough to live in a state of harmony and not lose your life. And so then you enter the second simplicity, which would be the second coming of Christ, because when you start regaining those rhythms and those harmonies, Within yourself, you become aware of yourself in the cosmos as the cosmos. You become aware that the natives that live polytheistically and saw God in everything is true because you see God in yourself when you look in the mirror. You see God in everybody. You realize who's looking through your eyes at me is the same consciousness looking through my eyes at you. And so you don't have this racial division. You don't have this religious separation. You realize it's all one being. Uh, groping to find itself in the name of consciousness and life. And then when you die, you die as a whole person and you die having lived fully. You don't die wishing you hadn't worked <laughs> so much. You die having lived. And so uh, in, in the workshop, I'm taking them through these four cycles using uh, a mandala painting practice. So they identify the child, identify the uh, the warrior inside of themselves, imagine what the king's going to be like and what that king's going to be involved in. And then what are you going to do in your wise man or wise woman phase? And, and what's, what are the values you want to share with other people? What is it you want to pass on to the world? And so the hero's journey has to make it through those cycles, because if you are still a child, you're not going to make the hero's journey. No child can be a real warrior. If you're stuck in the warrior stage, then you just fight the rest of your life. And if you're stuck in the king stage, then you're all about making money and controlling other people. So you end up 
having a lot of material wealth, but feeling empty inside. And when you get to the wise man, wise woman phase, now you've made this life cycle and you have this sense of deep wisdom and love for life. And you recognize the importance of protecting nature because you actually understand how the fabric of life works and how the entire cosmos is one system. So the heroes, to be on the hero's journey, you've got to cut your own path. You can't follow somebody else's path. Joseph Campbell makes that very clear. I cut my own path. You cut your own path. You know, nobody did the work for you. Uh, I pioneered all sorts of stuff and took lots of ridicule and uh, torture and pain and uh, criticism for it. But I, I knew I was right because I could prove it. And, you know, as Einstein says, great minds always meet violent opposition from mediocre minds. And I just realized these people just don't have the ability to think effectively. They're just addicted to doing what they've always done because it helps them stay unconscious, right? Physical therapists and doctors like to do prescriptions because they don't have to think. They just follow what's written on a recipe card. They don't solve problems and get engaged in the process. They just stay unconscious. When you're watching television, you're unconscious. You're highly programmable. You're not, most people don't look and say, I could do that better. And maybe they're watching a, a show about home stuff. They just watch it like bumps on a log. I watch stuff like that and I go, I could make a better tool than that. And if I need to do that, I could think of a better material to do that with. In other words, I'm engaging it as a process and using it to stimulate my own creativity so that I can see how can I take advantage of the wisdom but somehow even make it more efficient or more effective because that's called effective thinking and engaging a process instead of just being passive. Being passive looks like this. You're in lockdown and you believe it. You, you got a, a serious COVID infection. It's going to kill millions of people and you believe it, but no one's ever seen that virus. In fact, I don't know if you know about this. There's a guy in Canada that got, busted for being out on curfew have you heard about that this mm -hmm. guy's a construction worker it's a really funny story um i got the video somewhere um but he said no i'm gonna take this to court and so the day before he was supposed to show up in court he got a notice from court saying the case had been dropped he went back and said no i want to fight this i demand my time in court so they got his court case and guess what he did he said to the judge if you want to find me, then I demand you prove objectively that the coronavirus exists. And they could not do it. They could not do it. And he stood up in court and he said, see, I'm in a court of law. And they cannot objectively verify that that virus even exists. You need to pay very close attention to this. Think of all the people around the world that got fined for being out on curfew when they were just being lied to and manipulated. He said, if the United States or the Canadian government cannot prove that this exists, then you need to seriously question whether it exists. That's being intelligent. That's thinking for yourself. That is the hero's journey. That is a warrior who stands up for his values. While everybody else is just playing fucking dead. That's being brainwashed. That's being unconscious. That's being passive. That's losing your life. And that's becoming a profit center for someone else, which turns you into a corporate pig in an invisible fucking cage. That's a fucking whopper. That's <laughs> well, exactly we, what it is. We went, we went deep. We went deep. We didn't beat around any bushes. I got to make it to the fucking airport. Cool. I have had 
the best time ever here. Thank Happy you. birthday. You Thank look you, as fucking gorgeous as ever. <gasps> God damn those pipes. If you're, if you're listening to this, check out the YouTube because <laughs> no, you know, my, I'm, my brother's got guns on him. I'm a healthy 170. My heyday. But was, just stacked. I was 190 when I was. You're really, 60 years old. Yeah. You, you are the Adonis. I want to grow up and be like you, Paul. Shit, man. I want to be like you. I, I feel great. I really do. You know, I still lift heavy rocks and great out train the young guys in the gym and you know and i don't train too hard at it you know i, I i'm efficient i know how mm-hmm. to you know get the job done right like you i'm usually in the gym 40 minutes or you know sometimes even 20 schedules heavy just but i think when you get the four doctors and the six foundation principles right you're much more efficient you don't have to work near as hard at it mm-hmm. most people have to work against their bad habits in other words you can lift weights all you want but if you don't know how to eat you don't know how to rest you're swimming upstream. When you get these things moving in harmony together, you can get a lot fitter and a lot faster and a lot stronger and a lot faster. And it makes time to do other things like paint or dance or sing or uh, learn how to play an instrument or play with your kids or uh, whatever, you know, get your dick hard. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Paul. Happy birthday. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on. When your new book is finished. Yeah, baby, I'm working hard on it. Absolutely. Oh, you'd be one of the very first people to get a copy. I'll Hell give yeah. You a pre-publication copy. Beautiful. Well, thank you, brother. Love you, baby. I love you. Stay well.